Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. Good friend, sidekick, wingman, co-host. Present. All, you're all of those things. I'm present. And a fine-looking man. I'm so glad that you're. <laughs> I have to look at you instead of uh, somebody ugly. All right, wise guy. What do you want? Yeah, nothing. You want something. You know what? I want a good show, and that's what we're going to give the phone, fine folks, the fine listeners yeah here uh always we're kind of on this theme Hopefully. we're on this theme about family we are I, you know it's just something there's something on my heart about family probably because they're getting attacked like it's nobody's yeah. business well and i got a family you got a family yeah we see it exactly and our yeah. families are getting attacked they are you know and you want to defend your kids you want to protect your kids absolutely so we're going to keep talking about family and from another aspect is another interesting thing that i was thinking about the other day, I actually found this place online where you can actually uh, pick a classical work of art. Mm-hmm. You know, think of, uh, you know, Mona Lisa and all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And you can pay a nominal fee and some uh, little painter in China will do a reproduction for you. Or reproduce it. Yeah. And, I, and I've, I bought one of those once and I was online. I was kind of looking like, that's neat. That's neat. And then I came across this piece of art. Really? And I was I was moved uh, by it, and uh, it made me think about our topic and what we're talking about. But this piece of uh, artwork was called uh, it's called Joseph's Dream, okay, and it's by a an Italian artist from the Baroque period. I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I you read do, that. Man, you're yeah. good. It's uh, if it's not Baroque, don't fix it. Is the only thing I know about. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, his name is Gaetano Gandolfi. Right, mm-hmm. and so uh, Mr. Gandolfi painted this beautiful portrait of Joseph's dream. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times people don't pay attention to stuff in the Bible, you know, all the details. But here's a whole portrait about this particular moment in time. I bet it's great. I haven't seen it. Uh, you're going to see it soon, hanging on my wall. I might yeah. hang it down here in the corner booth. Oh, so you just got this? I, I ordered one. Oh, I'm, I, there's a there, right now. Somebody in China is painting me. A, a picture. Wow. That looks just like that. And it's, uh, it's That's pretty cool. I, I'm looking forward to it. I'll let you know when I yeah, get it. Yeah, I want to see it. I think I might hang it up here in the uh, luxurious corner booth at yeah, the Catholic Cafe. It'll if look nice up under the wall. get on TV, you'll be able to see and it. And the reason why is because this is one of the, I think this is one of the more important points in the Bible. Mm-hmm. One of the moments in time that really it's a game changer. And we kind of read over it. We don't think much about it. Maybe not enough, and I certainly didn't. The, but it, dream, the dream itself? Or? Yeah. Well, the whole thing, the whole deal. Stop and think about this event. for a second. Let's read from Scripture. Let's read from um, the first, the end of the first chapter of, chapter of Matthew. Sure. Right? And so when his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. So we read this as part of the the, the, the birth story, mm-hmm. right? We always read this around Christmas time, we, the, the, all the stuff going on at that point in time in, in the Holy Family's life. And it's interesting when you stop and think about this. And that is effectively, in a physical way, mm-hmm. Joseph was Jesus's you know, foster father. Right. right. Not his biological father. Correct. In fact, Joseph wasn't necessary to the equation. You'd think. I mean, in this world, you might oh, think, yeah. well, you know, you know, leave. Right. What do, you, what do you have to do with this? You're right. Right. And even so, he he had nothing to do with this. But God thought differently. Mm-hmm. So if he didn't belong in that family. Right. He would have just left and that would have been the end of the story. We never heard about Joseph again. Right. Uh, and it was nice that he didn't have her stoned, which yeah. literally that would have been the penalty for adultery. Oh, yeah. That would have been a problem because they were betrothed. Right. So, you know, he was a righteous man, Scripture tells us, and but he was going to divorce her quietly. He was going to leave quietly. Mm-hmm. And yet the Lord sent an angel in his dream and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. Right. And you stop and think about that for a second. So God wanted Joseph there. Correct. This is why I bought a copy of that picture. Yep. I always want to be reminded of that moment because, again, it goes right back to this whole family thing. Right. God knew that the Savior of the world, mm-hmm. Jesus essentially just means Savior, mm-hmm. right? He would save us from our sins, that the Savior of the world would be born of a woman, right? And would be born of Mary. Mm-hmm. And God wanted to make sure that we all understood it was a that family. salvation was born in the context of a family, born mm-hmm. out of a family. Right. And that we would see the family as the source of salvation. Now, understanding it's God. I don't want to you know, make it sound like, well, wait a second, is my family divine? Mm-hmm. I think your family is divinely driven or inspired or intended. Sure. You're certainly not God's. I mean, as much as I'd want to believe I was... Uh, you just spend a few minutes in my house and you realize I'm not God. <laughs> but but I think our families are are important and God has always said, look, you need to understand that, that salvation comes from the family, mm-hmm. which is precisely why the church is so focused on families. I mean, you stop and think about it. Mm-hmm. All the troubles that the families have in, in the world today. Right, you, you you rattle off the list of all the different it's things. Relentless. Yeah, exactly. You know whether it's abortion or contraception, euthanasia, the redefinition of marriage, pornography. All these things are attacking and tearing down the family. Mm-hmm. Even people not getting married and trying to have families. Right. Right. And and the difficulties there. Sure. And and you you start to realize that and you start thinking, wait a second, what God is 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 telling us and having us take note of is. The family was always the intention. It was always part of this. It was God's plan. God's master plan. Well, the master plan. Mm-hmm. The master plan of all master plans was that families would be the source of our salvation. That we would come to know Jesus Christ in the context of a family. We're born into a family. Mm-hmm. We live in a family. We're supported by a family. 
right? Mm-hmm. And we're buried by a family. I mean, literally, our, our life is in a family context. That's, that's why. And, you know, it, it didn't just start with Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, mm-hmm. right? It, it started from the very beginning, the creation, how God revealed himself to us, which I never thought about it, you know, in this context until I started thinking about families again, but really understanding that God revealed himself to us as a family of persons. Oh, yeah, the, the triune Trying God. God. Yeah. yeah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. Now, it's not a traditional family, obviously, with a mom and a dad and a kid. Mm-mm. But essentially, you see love in a, a in a familial context. Right. Right? So this family of persons that the Trinity is, and all life, all creation, all goodness, all joy, all mercy, all love, everything, all salvation, comes out of the Trinity. Out right. of um, that free-flowing love of Almighty God, mm-hmm. the Triune God, mm-hmm. from a familial context, and how powerful that is, mm-hmm. right? But it didn't stop there because obviously you could say, "Well, that's that's cool." You know, what is the very first thing God does at the end of creation, right on that sixth day? You know, man oh, yeah. it creates creates Adam, right, and and gives Adam dominion Eve. over the over the earth. Right. Well, Eve. Essentially, you start reading in, uh, in Scripture about Eve, and you find out that Eve is Adam's helpmate. Right. Right? That God figured Adam couldn't get to heaven on his own. Right? And so, so guys... when I get home tonight, I get to tell... <laughs> you gotta, you're gotta. you going to have to tell Cindy. Cindy. Yeah, exactly. You're my helpmate. Well, you don't want to say it like that. You don't think that's, that's not going to go over too well, is What it? I would say to her is instead, it's like, you know, I can't get to heaven without you. Right. That's a better way to say it, Tom. Because one makes it sound like you're supposed to get I a like beer. Help me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not help you do your chores or your exactly. work. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But God knew that Adam needed a helpmate. That there mm-hmm. needed to be a family. And so then, what happens with the family? Adam knew Eve. Next right. thing you know, we got the babies. Are you know? There you go. Right. Adam and Eve sitting in a tree. K i s s i n g. First comes love. Then comes marriage. Then comes. A baby and a baby carriage, there right? There you go. So this is, this is the context in which God intends us to live, in the family context. Which is why then when you get to the, the holy family, mm-hmm. you see this beautiful model, this shining example, uh, you know, our church teaches us about the holy family. Right. That we should all strive to be like the holy family. Exactly. But the power and the and the glory here, the, the great thing is that we need to realize that it's all done in a family context. So what that causes us to do then is to start looking at our own family. Because here's the eye-opener. The eye-opener is, um, you're saying salvation comes out of the family? Have you met my family? <laughs> you know, I imagine there's some folks that are probably saying, they're shaking their heads going... Salvation ain't coming out of there. Yeah, this is a problem. Yeah. And now, I'm not going to say everything's golden in every family, but what I am going to say is that was all these, always the intent. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're going to talk about that when we come back from our break, because it's important for us to understand what it is we're called in our families to do, how we're called to live, and what we're called to be for ourselves, but to each other, right, in the context of family and where that's going to lead us. Now, before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website www.thecatholiccafe.com Also, I would love to hear from you. I would like you to send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com And uh, I'd love to hear from you. Tell me what's going on in your life, what questions, maybe what's going on in your family. Uh, If you have future show topics, whatever, we'd love to hear from our folks, our listeners. 
Uh, so send that email along again, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we're going to be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. As Jesus and the two thieves hung upon their crosses, Roman soldiers came to break the legs of the crucified to hasten death, as nightfall was approaching. When they came to Jesus, however, they found that he was already dead. The Gospel of John tells us in chapter 19, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth that you also may believe. John does not name the soldier who pierced the side of Christ, but Catholic tradition has known him to be St. Longinus, and many stories surrounding St. Longinus, bordering on legend, have survived over the centuries. It is told that St. Longinus, who was nearly blind, was miraculously healed as the blood and water that flowed from the lance wound of Jesus fell into his eyes. This caused him to exclaim, Indeed, this was the Son of God, as recorded in the Gospel of Mark. It is said that St. Longinus was so moved by the events of Christ's crucifixion and his own healing that he converted to Christianity on the spot. The story continues that St. Longinus then withdrew from military service, spent time receiving instruction from the apostles, and lived the remainder of his life a holy man in the region of Cappadocia, now modern Turkey. Legend has it he was imprisoned for his Christian faith and his teeth and tongue were removed so that he could not proclaim the gospel to his fellow prisoners. But miraculously, and much to the amazement of those who imprisoned him, he was still able to speak the truths of the faith in a clear, fearless voice. He was eventually beheaded, and his relics now rest in San Agostino, the Church of St. Augustine in Rome. The relic of the Holy Lance that pierced the side of the crucified Lord can be found in one of the four great pillars that rise above the main altar in the Basilica of St. Peter. Whether or not the events put forth regarding St. Longinus happened exactly as tradition tells us is unsure. But what can be said with surety is that any man who stood at the foot of the cross of Christ and witnessed the death of the Son of God and the Savior of the world would be a changed man. He could never be the same again. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm sitting here with Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're talking about salvation, being born out of the family. Yeah, so I'm being devil's advocate. You know that. Right. I'm good, I'm good at Maybe that. Maybe on this show, it's not a good thing to be the devil's advocate. That's true. You're Maybe. right. You're right. <laughs> Let's say you're... Bad choice. Yeah. You're being... Okay. You're, you're, just, you're, so you're, you're a free thinker. So you're talking about salvation through the family. You had to define yeah. that for me, and hopefully there are other folks out there that are going, what is he talking about? Yeah, you look at your own family. Now, your family's a beautiful little family there, Tom. I'm going to well, tell thank you. you. Well, But 
That's know, another we, question. We'll we, save that question. We all have that family that everybody sees, mm-hmm. and then we have that family that we go home to. Oh, totally, man. Right? You know, you go in there and look at your kids. And I'm the worst one of the bunch. Right. You look at your kid's room, <laughs> and you're going, you think that's a good kid? Come here and look at what he does. Look at that. That's that's mold. Do you see that? That's mold growing on that whatever. And I guess the point is, uh, you know, we have a lot of, there's a lot of brokenness out there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think, well, what does it mean then that salvation is born out of the family? Because, you know, we look at our families and think, oh, this is going to save me? How is that possible? And I guess what we have to do first and foremost is understand what is the role of the family and why was there ever a, f- a family? And, I, and then there are, there are formal canonical definitions, and we can open up the catechism and, and find wonderful things about the family being this this uh, this unit of uh, the cell that uh, that God would would you know multiply uh, throughout the earth, and that we you know, and those are good things. Mm-hmm. But there's I think there's some practical things, some sort of I don't know guide things. I like to simplify things a lot, and and I start to think, well, what is it I'm supposed to do as a family? Here we go. Right? And so here's the thing. If salvation is born of the family, then that means that we have to have, ultimately, a God experience in our family. Okay. Our family is intended to be a God experience. And and you might think, okay, what does that mean? Because I don't go home. I don't feel like God's there all the time. Probably right? getting deeper here, man. Yeah, I know. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We can keep drilling down. because Because really, it's simple at the heart of it. Yep. And, and the thing, that, what it boils down is to, is, is to this, Tom, for you, mm-hmm. God intended that you would find Cindy and that she would find you, that you guys would fall in love and that you would start a family, that you would get married and start a family. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because God loves you, he loves Cindy, and he loves every one of your kids, as you do. Right. Right? And then that love then expands beyond that family to the people that you know. The other families that you influence, your friends, your co-workers, the entire world. But then also your progeny, right? The people that follow who also happen to be named Dorian or, or whatever, you know, the kids, they're going to become parents. And, and so this is how God intended that we would have this relationship with him here on the earth. And remember, how did God describe his relationship to the Israelites? The prophet Isaiah tells us. That God said, um, you know, Isaiah says that your builder will marry you, mm-hmm. right? As a young man marries a virgin, mm-hmm. he called Israel espoused. That's married. covenant speak. That's exactly right. That's why we teach that marriage is a covenant. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that's the relationship God had. So in your marriage, you essentially, in a covenantal way, are now loving your wife in that same way that God loves you or that God loves his, the people of God, the, the, the Israelites, the chosen ones. Mm-hmm. And so you essentially become, now don't let this get to your head. <laughs> your headphones are going to pop off your head when I say this. You essentially become God to Cindy. Now, before everyone starts, they're getting on the emails. I can yeah, hear the oh, fingers tapping up. right now. The reality is Cindy is God to you. And I shouldn't say a God like she becomes or you become God. You don't become gods. Mm-hmm. But our experience of God, knowing God. Remember, we're made of, of, of flesh and bone mm-hmm. as well as spirit. Mm-hmm. And so God ministers to us and loves us in, in our flesh as well. That's why we love the Eucharist so intensely, right? Mm-hmm. So in our marriages, it's an experience of God if we have a 
if we if we live a godly life, mm-hmm. we will have a godly marriage. And so, a better way to say it, I think that it, it's more clear to me is Cindy should be able to look into your eyes, Tom, and see God Almighty, and see eternity. Mm-hmm. Right? You are leading her to eternity. You're going to help her get to eternity, and vice versa. She has trust in you. She has faith in you. Right? As a human, sure. you're not God, and so don't go crazy. But you should be able to look in Cindy's eyes right. and see Almighty God there. That you love her, you trust her, you do anything for her. In fact, you would die for her. Mm-hmm. And you start to realize that in that mutual relationship, in that marriage, now it's an experience of God. Right? And what's so beautiful is that when you have the kids, when life comes, when God would choose that this 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 conjugal love, this married love is how the earth would be populated with children. Right. Right? This is what God chose. And so now you realize that these children are now in your care. This is a family. Mm-hmm. And so now you have that father's love that you share with your children. Right? And, and so all the love, mercy, kindness, gentleness, and every once in a while, a little admonishment, mm-hmm. maybe a stern reproach is necessary. But it's always done in love. Right. Right? Well, that's that's that becomes your, your deal. That's what you're doing. And that's why the family is so important. And so essentially... You know, the best hope for children in the world is parents. Right. Right. And But don't think it's just about what you're giving your kids because you are. But think about this. How many times have you, have you ever ministered to somebody? Have you ever, uh, you know, prayed with somebody or, or just shared the gospel with somebody? Just sure. talked to somebody who's having a rough time? Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, did you feel like you gave them everything and you got nothing out of the deal? Not really. No, because really, when we minister to others, we essentially get ministered to. It's like a two-way street. Right. And so when we minister to our kids, guess what? We're being ministered to. We're being fed even by our children. Right? The the, the chance to love our kids, right, in that undying, Mm -hmm. eternal love is is ministering to us as well. Yeah. Right? So this is why I like to tell parents, don't stop being parents. How many parents, when they're eight, when the kids are eighteen, say, "Hey, they're out of my hands now." Yeah, I can't tell them this or I can't tell them that. Now you change your parenting style, right? But you never stop being a parent. God doesn't ever stop being our father, right? And you should never stop being your child's parent. Mm-hmm. So there's love, and occasionally there might be a need to step in and kind of help, especially when you have the broken families, right? When you have the difficulties, but you never stop being, you know, being there for your kids. Because essentially that's that you're investing in them. Right. And this is God's love that's being invested in them that then will carry on for generations to come. Yep. Right? Yep. So you said broken families a second ago. Yeah. You know, that's that, that makes that'll pique your, your uh, ears really quick because, I mean, a lot of people have that. I know. And there there are mm. times, you know, that I've experienced brokenness in our family. Yeah, and, and I think you've got a great family. And, uh, so what and, can you do about all and that? And both of us, Tom, have great families, I think. Yeah, we're blessed. There's no doubt. But at the same time, we look around. I minister to a lot of folks uh, as a deacon, and I see so many people come into my office with tears, you know. And we have so many kids that, you know, they're going to a couple of different schools. Uh, they've got, you know, mom has them on this weekend. Dad has them on that weekend. They spend summers, whatever, they're being raised, raised by, uh, you know, grandparents or, or whatever. And you realize there's a lot of brokenness out there. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do? Because I don't look in her eyes and see God. And I certainly, because we don't even live in the same house, it's only like she's looking in my eyes and seeing God. In fact, we can hardly have a word without right. anger. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so I realize there's a lot of that out there. But here's the thing. You've got to believe that with God, all things are possible. And I'm not saying that all of a sudden you're going to have this attitude and everything's suddenly going to turn into this big rosy parade, right? And, and you're going to get back together and everything's going to be great and the kids are going to turn out just perfect. Mm-hmm. The reality is we, do, we live in a fallen world and there's a lot of sin and there's a lot of problems and, and, and we're, we're, we're part of them. But we just, have to, we just have to start small and we start with love. We start with God's love. So, the, you know, you're going to have to put aside some arguments, some disagreements. You're going to have to put aside some things that maybe we haven't let go of, sure. right? It's kind of like what I tell people when they're saying, like, man, there's so much to do. I've got this phrase I use, opportunity paralysis. Mm-hmm. There's so many things to do, I can't move forward. There's too many things to fix in this broken family. And the reality is, you know what? Do one thing different. Yeah, you got to break it down. Do one thing different. Mm-hmm. Change one thing. Make it a marked change not just something make a big deal difference don't tell everybody you're making a difference by the way from now on i'm now going to do this no do something different i'm telling you it will it will uh you know when you come home and you know you're angry and how the whole family within 10 seconds you walk in the door is now suddenly sniping at each other oh it affects everybody it's viral right yeah love is viral so if you if you change something in your life and you bring christ into your life because see ultimately that's what is the deal about families because when they abide in Christ and Christ in them, mm-hmm. that's the glue. He's the glue that holds it all together. Yeah. And, and he's the miracle worker. Yeah. So, yeah, you got brokenness. But start by making changes in your own life. Put aside all these things that cause dissension and disagreement. Right? Let go of some stuff you won't let go of. Start with you, not with the other. And I guarantee you that some things are going to change and some things are going to move in, in, in that family yep. and great things are going to happen. You're right. Great stuff. You know, because uh, again, we can always find reasons why we don't want to do something. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to work. Ain't no salvation in my family. <laughs> Have you looked in her eyes? You know, <laughs> well, I hope that one day you'll be able to look into your spouse's eyes mm-hmm. and see almighty God. That's what I pray for, for everybody listening. And that's what I think is most important. And that's what I see in my wife's eyes. Yeah. And I hope that for everybody. Amen. Let's pray. Name the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many gifts you've given us, especially for the gift of your Son, whose death on the cross shows us the depth of your divine and fathomless love. Reign your grace upon our families, we pray, so that in our earthly relationships we may glimpse into eternity to see your everlasting and eternal glory. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.